0: What's up, everybody? Good morning, and welcome to our Sunday morning Water's Edge online worship experience. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you so much for joining us again. For for those of you who share these links with your friends and family, we hope it helps them out. Thank you so much for doing that. For those of you that continue to give online and you continue with your generosity, thank you so much for doing that. It helps us with evacuees from the hurricane. It helps us with the homeless. Helps us feed more people and serve more people and help more people. So thank you so much for doing that and allowing this ministry to go forward. Over the past few weeks, we've been in this series that's hopefully bringing some inspiration to your heart. All around us over the past year and a half, over the past two years, we have seen hurt. We've seen chaos. We've seen devastation, discouragement, depression, sadness, anxiety, uncertainty, and fear. But now we're in this series, and I thought it'd be good for us, entitled, I want to see Jesus. And when I say that I want to see Jesus, I'm not just talking about after I die one day and I go to heaven in eternity. I'm talking about I want to see Jesus right now in my life and in your life. I want to see Jesus working in our relationships. I want to see Jesus working in our circumstances. And I want to see Jesus in our city. And I want to see Jesus in our community. But why do we worship Jesus? The main answer is this, because the world has hurt us and Jesus heals our broken heart. Why do we worship Jesus? Because there's parts of this world that will reject you. This world will reject us, but Jesus was rejected by the world so he could receive us. But today, as we finish up with this series, I want to see Jesus. Today we move on with the most difficult subject at all. This this probably is the most difficult, the most intense, and the most confusing subject to talk about. What do we say? How do we answer? Or should we really say anything when someone approaches us as believers, followers of Jesus, and they want to know this and notice this and remember this today? If God is so real and God is so good, then why is there so much pain and suffering in the world? How could you believe in a good God and a God that's real when you look around you and you see all of this hurt and chaos and devastation and pain and suffering? So much heartache, so much hurt so much pain, so much suffering, how could God be real and allow this? How could God be good and not work to prevent this? And so if you're ready to jump into this today, then stay with me and hang in there. Now, right away, let me say that this message is for everyone. It's not just for believers. And it's not just for doubters. It's not just for people who are deeply faithful and convinced and people who are still seeking and trying to figure out. This message is for absolutely everyone. This message is for people who are going through confusion. So if you're a believer or if you're not a believer and you're going through confusion, this is for you. This message is for anyone who's going through painful times in life. So if you're a believer and you're convinced or you're not and you're going through painful times in life, this is for you. This is for people who are going through questions and doubts. This has something... For everyone and I hope this helps us out. But we need to be prepared for people who confront us about this. How could you actually believe in a God that's good and a God that's loving and a God that's real when there's all this pain and suffering in the world? God can't be real. God can't be good. You can't come to that conclusion when you look around you and see what's going on in our world today and then you'll run into other people who will use the pain of others as a reason not to believe in God, because deep down they've just been looking for an excuse not to believe in him. And so some people would say, how could you believe in a God that's good and real because I've been through so much pain and how could God allow this because of my pain? But then you'll run into other people who will say, how could you believe in a God that's so real and loving and good when you look around you and see all this pain, even though it's not affecting them per se. So if this happens, if someone brings this up to you, if someone's gonna ask you this question, then what do you say? How do you respond? Well, let me give you a response that may help you out in this situation. And the response is this, It's a great question to ask. But before, let me just remind you of something again, because you're going to be approached by this and you're going to think this too. We're all going to deal with this. We're all going to wonder about this. How can God be good and allow this? How can God be real and allow this? How can God be loving and not work to prevent all the heartache and pain and suffering in the world? Not only have people who don't believe in Jesus deal with this, but Christians from every single generation all throughout history have Ask these same questions, and they've all dealt with suffering and how to reconcile all the pain and suffering in the world with a God that's good and real and loving. So, what do we do? What do we say when someone says, How could you believe? And how could you convince me to believe in a God that's good and real when there's all this hurt in the world? Because I just don't see how you could believe. Now, this response is more interesting to me because this is really for all of us. So, you run into those people who use the suffering of others as an excuse not to believe in God. And then you run into those people who've been through pain in this life and it's pretty much convinced them not to believe in God. And so they question you. How could you believe in this God that you say is so real and loving when there's all this pain in my life or in the lives of others? Well, here's a great question to ask and for all of us to really think about. So if you're still with me, say I'm still with you. This is what it is. If you could, and I'm gonna ask you this question right now, so ask yourself this question. If you could, would you remove everything bad from the world right now? If you had the ability to remove everything bad that's going on in the world right now, would you do it? And all of us would say, yes, heck yes, I would absolutely, if I had the chance and I had the ability to remove everything bad from the world, I would absolutely do that. Every Christian would say that, every believer and every non-believer would say if they had the chance to remove all the bad and pain in the world, they would. But before you answer that question, let me ask you a follow-up question. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. Have you ever done anything bad? Have you ever done anything that caused hurt in someone else? Have you ever said something, done something, tried something, participated in something, or hid something that hurt someone else? Have you ever been the source of someone else's heartache and suffering and pain? Or has your parents, has one of your siblings ever caused pain in someone else's life? Has your spouse ever caused pain in someone? What about your children? Has one of your children ever caused hurt or pain in someone else's life? What about childhood friends? What about people that you know and love, you live next to, you work with, people that you consider your best friends? Have they ever done anything that has caused pain and suffering in this world? And the answer for all of us to all of that is yes. You have hurt people. I have hurt people. We love people who have hurt people. You have caused bad and pain in this world. I have caused bad and pain in this world. And we all know people and love people that have caused bad and pain in this world. So if you get rid of everything bad in this world, then you're gonna have to get rid of you and me and people that you dearly, dearly love. Remember this today. If you're still with me, say I'm still with you. The only way for God to remove our number one complaint about God is to remove all of us. The complainers, if you had the ability to get rid of everything bad in the world, then you would have to get rid of yourself and people that you love. But wouldn't you have a good reason to not get rid of someone that you love? Wouldn't you have a good reason to not get rid of your dad even though he may have hurt someone? Wouldn't you have a good reason to not get rid of your brother or sister or cousin or your mom even though they may have hurt someone? Wouldn't you have a good reason to not get rid of your spouse or one of your children or one of your childhood friends even though they may have hurt someone? Yes. I know we've done bad and hurt people, but I know them, Tony, and there's still great potential in their life. And so I wouldn't want to get rid of them because I know them. Even though they've hurt people, there's still great potential. Well, okay. So if you have a good reason to not get rid of everything or everyone in this world who's done bad, if you have a good reason to not get rid of some of them, then don't you think God may have a good reason to? Christianity has always believed that God has a good reason to not get rid of everything bad in the world because we know that we're the reason for most of that bad. People are the reason for most of the pain. And God loves people and God loves to redeem people. Even the people that we think are the worst. The reason God doesn't get rid of all the evil and bad in the world is the same reason I don't is because I would have to get rid of myself. God would have to get rid of you. Because, and watch this, Christians have always believed that God is patient with people. Psalm 86, 15, But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. God is slow to anger and filled with love that does not fail, which means God is patient with you and with the people that you think are the worst. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin and lead you to repentance? Or bad things you've done have caused pain for other people. Notice his attributes when you have done those things that have caused pain for other people. Kind, tolerant, and patient. This God, Sounds pretty good that even when we cause hurt, he's kind, tolerant, and patient with us because he's working to redeem us. Now, all of this really exposes our hypocrisy when we complain about all the pain in the world and then we blame God for it and say, I don't want to believe in him. See, this is how we are. If someone approaches me and says, hey, Tony, I have this pain and confusion in my life. What do I say and what do you say? I'll pray for you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you're going through that. I'll pray for you. If you're going through pain and you tell me about your suffering, then I say, I'll pray for you. But let's say that I'm going through pain or someone that I love, one of my children is going through pain. What do I do then? I don't say I need to pray. I say, how could God let this happen? I'll pray to God for you when you tell me about your pain because it doesn't affect my faith. But when I go through pain, instead of saying, man, I need to pray, the first thing we do is say, I'm going to blame God. How can God be good? If it hurts you, then it doesn't hurt my faith. But if it hurts me, then I get upset at the idea of a good God. Now, here's the deal. I want everyone who's listening right now to make a fist like a hammer. Here's the deal. This is what we all want. We all want the justice hammer. We see evil or bad, and we get to crush it, and we, we get to get rid of it. But here's the catch. I want the hammer, we want the hammer, so I can decide, so we can decide who and what gets crushed. And here's the deal. I don't want you to have the hammer because you may decide that I'm bad and you may crush me. And you don't want me to have the hammer because I may decide that you're bad and you cause pain and I may crush you. And if God was ever like you and I, then no one would be left. He's not like us. He doesn't think like us. He doesn't love like us. He doesn't forgive like us. He's much more patient than we are. He is so much, his ways are unlike our ways that we cannot compare how we would respond to how we think God should respond. This is really exposing our hypocrisy. Now, there's a couple of convictions that Christians have always believed. The first conviction is this. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. Number one, certain things should not be. This is good. This This should be. This is bad. This should not be. But where did this conviction come from that when I see pain in the world, that there's something that tells my heart, this should not be. When I see injustice or suffering or chaos or confusion or fear or anxiety in the world and something in my heart says, this should not be. Where did that come from? Well, we feel that pain and we feel that conviction, this should not be, actually came from God. So the actual complaint that we use against God, that certain things in this world should not be, the conviction that we have in our soul when we look at something and say, this should not be, it actually came from God. So when people say, I can't believe in a good God because of all the hurt in the world, this should not be. That conviction in your heart that this should not be is actually a better argument for the fact that God is real because God put that in you. He feels the same way about how this should not be as you do. Our second conviction is this. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Okay, so sometimes people do bad and sometimes people cause suffering, but sometimes pain and suffering hits you out of left field. Sometimes pain and chaos and suffering pull the rug out from under your feet and it just broadsides you and you didn't do anything to cause it. It's uncertain. It's unexpected. No one caused it. It's when cancer happens. It's when tragedy happens. It's when car accidents with your children in there happen. It's when disease happens. I I had to do a funeral this morning for a three-year-old who passed away from leukemia. When these things happen, floods and storms and disasters, and we have no idea why and no preparation for it, what do we do then? How do we answer that question then? If God is so good, then why all this pain? So the second conviction is this: If you're still with me, Sam, I'm still with you, and this will help you today. The world is broken, and not just us. We're broken, but not just us. All of creation, all throughout history, Christians have always believed that the current version of our world is not the final version and that one day Jesus will return to make it right. Romans 8 verse 18, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to us later. We all suffer because this world is not the way it should be. It's broken. It's not just us. Everything is broken. Verse 19, For all of creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Where Paul says reveal who his children really are, that means this. We have a bunch of church people that run around who love to say, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a friend of God. I'm a child of God. But there will come a day when Jesus returns to stand up for his true people, his true people who suffered, especially at the hands of religion, the hurting, the suffering, the misfits, the rejected, the bullied. And then where Paul says all of creation is waiting, it means the world is broken. Creation is broken and broken things still happen because everything is still broken, hurt, loss, hurricanes, death, sickness, tragedy, suffering, broken things still happen because everything is still broken and nothing's going to be made right again until Christ returns. And that's the hope that we hold on to. This is what we wait for. Jesus suffered. The people that spread early Christianity, they all suffered and it was out of their control, but they all held onto the hope that the current version of the world is not the way it should be. And one day Jesus will return and put it right and there'll be justice. Now at this time, someone may ask this and remember this today. If God is powerful and good, then why doesn't he prevent people from doing bad things or just prevent bad things? Great question. Great question. In the beginning, our world did not look the way it is right now, but it became broken when we gave into the temptation. When God told Adam and Eve, don't eat that, and they ate that, everything broke. Say, Tony, why did God even put the tree there then? Why did God give us that choice if he didn't want us to make it? Because, and everyone listen to this, God loves you and I so much that he gave us the ability to choose. If there was no tree there, there'd have been no choice. The essence of love is never force. I wish God would turn us into robots. That'd be a lot easier for me, a lot easier, a lot easier for you too. But the essence of love is never force. The essence of love is choice. If I try to force my son Jagger and my stepson Aiden to love me, if I try to force them to do that, there's no glory in that. But if I just simply love them and I'm good to them and I'm the best person I know how to be to them, And I love them with all of my heart. And one day when they get older, they pull me off to the side and they say, hey, Tony, hey, Dad, you've loved us so much. You've been so good to us. We love you so much. There's glory in that. I didn't force them. They just chose it. And the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And so the reason why we always have the choice is because the essence of love is never force. It's choice. But maybe God does try to prevent people from doing bad and causing suffering, and we just don't listen. Have you ever been tempted to do something and you knew deep down, I should not do this. I'm about to cross the line and this is going to hurt people. It may hurt my relationships. It may hurt my children. It's going to hurt myself. It may hurt someone that deeply loves me. This should not be. I shouldn't do this. Most of the time, what do we do? We cross the line and we do it. But that deep sense inside of you that said before you did it, that said, stop, don't. This is not, this should not be. Guess where that came from? That came from God. A good God trying to stop pain and suffering that you created in this world. I don't know about you. That God sounds pretty good to me. Remember this this morning. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. The best possible world is when we have the freedom to choose to do harm, but because of Jesus, we decide to fight against it and we choose to love. That's the best possible world we can create. That when we realize right now, I have the choice to choose to do harm, but because I love Jesus and because I love people, I'm gonna fight against it. The world needs that because the world is broken. And sometimes we have no answer for this. So when this broken world causes unexpected harm, heartache, pain, and suffering, then hurting people need someone to stand up with them and say, I don't have all the answers, and I don't wanna give you a fake answer. I don't wanna try to give you false comfort. Some things in life I just don't understand, but I know two things. God loves you, and so do we, and we'll stand with you. I hope this has helped you out. I hope this has helped you out when dealing with people who have tough questions, and if you have tough questions, I hope it's helped you out too. We love you so much. We hope you have a wonderful week. Hope you tune in next week.